What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod, the daily podcast brought to you by the team behind Squawk Box. NYC, this is CNBC Control 2. CNBC's Essential Morning Show. PCR 2. Every day, get the best stories, debate, and analysis from the biggest names in business and politics. All right, we're coming to it next. Today on Squawk Pod. Boeing wants to return the Max to the sky, Disney launches streaming, and Chipotle says, come for the carne asada. Oh, here we go. Microsoft joins the Supreme Court case on the side of DACA recipients. We've got to see the right time come together to protect these people. And the big dollars in big space, a venture capitalist who is way out there. And I can tell you that there is money to be made here, especially in the early stages. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. It's Tuesday, November 12th, 2019. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back you by in three, two, one, cue please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick along with Joe Kernan. Andrew is out today, but sitting in once again today is Tom Farley. He is chairman and CEO of Farpoint. Of course, you probably know him as the former NYSE president. He's also a CNBC contributor. And Tom, good to see you again. Good morning. First up today on the podcast, Boeing said it expects to resume deliveries of its grounded 737 MAX planes as early as next month, and that airlines could restart commercial service as soon as January of 2020, although key customers Southwest and American Airlines have pulled the planes from their schedules until early March. Don't forget, it's already November, so this is near-term. Boeing shares, as a result, intraday rose sharply yesterday. That pushed the Dow from negative territory into positive territory and closing at a new record uh, because it's such a high-priced uh, stock. It was up, I don't know, I, by the end of the day. At one point it was up, oh, I said at the end of the day. I really did mean by the end of the day. I don't mean at the end of the day. You meant at the end of the day. Right. Uh, anyway, the company said it has completed a test of the new flight control software with the FAA in a simulator. Uh, that's one part of a five-item checklist required <clears throat> to return the plane to service. But again, on this front... Okay, we we know that they've completed one of five checkpoints with the FAA. It's still going to be the FAA that makes the final determination on this. And there are still other checks that they have to get through on this. The other issue is, will there be heightened uh, training required for pilots? And will it be allowed to be in simulators? Will it go on other issues? So the market may get a little ahead of itself. Boeing had told us already previously, the chairman told us himself just last week, that they expected at least one of the regulators to approve it for flight by the end of the year. And you can make the assumption that that was the FAA. Something so, weird happened yesterday, though. Yeah. Uh, look, it's significant that they had... morning, too. Yeah. You're, you're saying it was weird because they put out was later it? dates and No, because it wasn't up... Yeah. Right, well, no, because it wasn't up that much early on. And right. I, th- there are some new incremental... Uh, you know, comments about, I guess, when or, or how it was going to be reintroduced. Anybody who's buying into this, though, is reading the tea leaves with the FAA. You know, it's not Boeing that's making Calhoun the decision. Calhoun kind of bottomed, that, bottomed out that day. It was eight or nine dollars the day that the chairman was, was on the squawk box, and it, it's up quite a bit from, from where it was right. that day. It yeah, might have been. A, the tide. Yeah. I thought he did a really nice job. Did you? Yeah, I was sitting at home watching it. I just thought it was very, very credible. What time do you go into uh, 
far point. I usually work 11 to 2. It's my <laughs> typical work day. <laughs> really busting your, busting your ass. Yeah, you're going to huh? laugh at him at a three-hour work day, huh? Yeah. Far point. Yeah. yeah. Tom Farley. Exactly. Far, is that exactly. where that's from? Huh? And I have a partner at third point. So it's one of these where we kind of put together wow, the, really did figure out the far, Farley. And you didn't pay point. anyone for that? No, no. You pay yourself. For it's that. a good name. Yeah, it's it, a good name. You pay yourself for this. See, I would pay myself. Six million dollars. Yeah. I own. <laughs> That's I, good, own, I, own own far, I own Farpoint. <laughs> sold it to myself. Yeah. yeah. That a boy. Disney officially entering the streaming uh, wars today, and we are going to take note. Uh, it's the launch of Disney Plus. We're going to talk about it quite a bit. The media giant is looking to capitalize on popular franchises that Iger has uh, sort of acquired over the years, like Pixar. Marvel, Star Wars, the service is going to cost $6.99 a month or $12.99 monthly bundled with Hulu and ESPN+. Verizon subscribers with unlimited plans can also get the service free for the first year. We'll talk quite a bit about this this big gamble late in Bob Iger's uh, tenure, but maybe his biggest uh, gamble to date on this because it's going to they used to get a lot of money from Netflix when their stuff was over there, and now they're going to do it themselves, obviously. But At this point, it's becoming very siloed. It's going back to the old world. It used to be kind right. of an open ecosystem, but now everybody's going back to siloing things, and you have to pay each and every one of those silos if you want to get the content as a consumer. Although I just realized this morning, I have, I have Verizon Unlimited plan. I just realized I get it for free for a year, so my goal is on, on the air today, I want to get this downloaded. <laughs> but apparently every, every Verizon customer with unlimited yeah, data gets it free. Announced. You're yeah. charging Farpoint free for, for you. that anyway, right? No. No, that's, that's, that's personal. That's personal? Yeah, oh, you got to figure that. Then I can watch Star Wars when I'm, you know, I'm on the subway. Stick that on Farpoint, dude. <laughs> Write it off. Put it part of your business. You have a partner, right? Get him to pay for You know, it is, it is interesting. In my SPAC, Special Purpose Acquisition Company, all the, all the costs, the banking costs, all that kind of stuff come, come out of the uh, principles personally. Okay, it is, uh, I mean, it's a historic day. We're all going to remember this day. I just heard some, you're playing some Simpsons Yep. Music. Star uh, Wars and Simpsons, they loaded right up. It looks nice. It looks a lot like the Netflix user interface. Does it? But no glitches whatsoever. I downloaded it, popped right up. Nice. I have the Verizon wireless phone service. As you said, and paid I for by, I, you write it off with your company. I, I, I do not. The latest entrant, the percent of the costs come out of my pocket. I don't know if your clients know that. Uh, the latest entrant uh, in the st- streaming wars is priced higher than Apple service, but lower than Netflix, Six ninety nine a month. Joining us now, uh, Stephen Beck, founder and managing partner of consulting firm CG42. They're missing out on what they used to get from Netflix, right? Is it going to be replaced by this? Yeah, it's going to be replaced by this. Netflix is highly vulnerable. We think, um, based on our surveys, about 30% of their user base currently in the U.S. So that's, you know, they have 60 million households right now. About 30% of those are vulnerable to switching in the next three months. You know, that's a a strategy, Stephen, that... um Probably Bob Iger is the only one who could do that because he's got a long track record. He has a lot of faith already built up with the shareholders. Somebody new wouldn't be able to come in and do the same thing. And he's got a massive amount of content that people want um, and want to watch. I mean, our estimates um, show that roughly 45% of current streaming subscribers um, are planning on signing up for Disney Plus over the course of the next three months. Um, that that puts them well on the way to their goal. We think out, out of the box they're going to just really kill it. And And again... It's obvious. It's all about the content. It's about Star Wars. It's about Marvel. It's about Pixar. It's about the Disney catalog. And that's something that the competitive set, in, in terms of Netflix, um, as the main one, 
just can't match. Can I ask one question, though? It, look, it seems to me that this is a, a good deal for anybody who's got kids in their family. However, it may mean that I'm not going to be buying the DVDs like I have been to this point. That's true. And I can see other ways that it could start to cannibalize other lines, other streams of profit. Oh, it's definitely a shift, but, um, you know, I for think... For 6 it, I mean, I, I, I probably own every one of these DVDs. <laughs> As do I. Yeah. Um, it's, it's certainly a shift, but it's a, it's a shift that's inevitable. And whether they were licensing that content or somebody else or um, having a direct relationship with the consumer, um, they're opting to have the direct relationship with the consumer. And given the wealth of content that they have and content that they have in the pipeline, it makes complete sense to, to go direct. And news just out from Chipotle. The restaurant chain is extending its latest menu edition, carne asada. It's through the first quarter uh, of next year. It had warned that it was running out. Chipotle That's said, what I don't understand. How do you run out of meat? Who knows? Chipotle said the premium cut is helping uh, to drive new customer acquisitions, and it was able to source some additional supply. The weirdest thing is that crazy spicy chicken sandwich that people like literally oh, are. Oh, the Popeyes? Yeah. The Popeyes. Killing each other. It sounds, there was a, there must was be really crazy. good. I haven't had it. That sounds delicious. It sounds delicious, but how good can it be? It's, you know, it's the chicken. Right? I like how they've been trolling Chick-fil-A. They brought it back on a Sunday. Like, ha-ha, you're not oh, open when well, we brought it back in. Yeah. It can, you know, it's a pretty successful place. Uh, it is. Chick-fil-A. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just still think of that McRib that they bring every once in a while. Oh, they haven't had that in a long time, have they? They, they actually yeah. have a mold. I, I know, yeah. I know. And they pour the some kind of swill into the mold. Well, and then it, with chicken nuggets. Parts is parts. Yeah. Remember that? Parts are good. Oh, here we go. Also, Burger King is bringing a plant-based burger to 2,400 locations across more than 20 markets in Europe. However, it is not the Impossible Mm. Whopper that's become a hit with customers here in the United States. Veggie burger. The Vegetarian Butcher, which is a Dutch company that was bought by Unilever last year, is going to be supplying a new soy-based Rebel Whopper. Impossible Foods Burger hasn't been approved for sale in the EU. That's why you need a different alternative. It actually requires further testing because it includes genetically modified ingredients. Mm -hmm. Here in the United States, Burger King is going to be starting testing Impossible Patties and other hamburgers and cheeseburgers from its menu in some markets. So that's that's not really a like an Impossible or a Beyond Meat burger. That's like a veggie burger. Those have been around for years, right? Yeah. Just those. Uh, that's why we needed. Hey, some veggie pump. burgers are really good. It's in the eye of the beholder. You ever try Morningstar Grillers? Those are good. Really? Yeah. Why would I, though? I don't know. No. It's, it's like low calorie and it tastes is it, great. Is it? Yeah. Low calorie. It's low calorie. Well, and that's a great. reason. Yeah. It's, it's not like the Impossible Burger where it's like the same. Yeah. Okay. It's called, uh, it's called swine slurry. Is actually what that's what they make McRibs out of? It's poured into... Uh, Delicious. Did you hear from the chef? Into, I did. Heard from him, and then I actually looked it up, and uh, I, I, I'll read this later to you guys. Because Please don't. It, huh? Please don't. I think this is an exaggeration of what it actually okay. is. Uh, anyway... Um, buried in an obfuscation of delicious barbecue sauce. Uh, anyway, an obfuscation, what you're actually, the pig Barbecue snout. Barbecue sauce pig makes snout. everything mm. taste good. It says mm. eyeballs. Is that it's not What? Good. Rejected oh, yeah, by Oscar Mayer. People Myers. are eating breakfast. Read your... They're not eating a McRib. It's not even out right now. They're not eating anything now. People search out the McRib. <laughs> yeah, they're not eating Cheese will be next. Next on Squawk Pod, the Dreamers and the Supreme Court. The chief legal officer of Microsoft on the fight of young undocumented immigrants 
to stay in the country where they live and work. It would not only be cruel to deport someone to a country they haven't lived in since they were four months old, it's bad for America. It's bad for innovation. Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Think Microsoft, and you probably think about the trillion-dollar technology giant powering just about every office you've ever worked in and more than 90% of household computers. You may not think about Brad Smith, the company's president and longtime chief legal officer. He's one of Microsoft's longest-serving executives, joining as a lawyer in their antitrust fight in the 1990s. And today, he's fighting a different legal battle. Microsoft is the only company that is a plaintiff in the case headed before the United States Supreme Court today that hopes to stop the termination of the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals Program, or DACA. President Trump announced in 2017 the rescission of DACA. The program protects from deportation 700,000 undocumented people that came to the U.S. as children. Microsoft employs more than five dozen DACA recipients, and Brad Smith penned a blog post last week saying that the company will, quote, stand up for them along with all the nation's DACA recipients. Princeton University and an alumna of Princeton are also plaintiffs. Oral arguments begin today. Here's Becky Quick. The court's decision could impact hundreds of thousands of dreamers across the United States. President Trump tweeting earlier this morning, many of the people in DACA, no longer very young, are far from angels. Some are very tough, hardened criminals. President Obama said he had no legal right to sign an order, but would anyway. If Supreme Court remedies with overturn, a deal will be made with Dems for them to stay. Joining us right now is Microsoft President Brad Smith. Microsoft, we should point out, is the only company that is a plaintiff before the Supreme Court to defend DACA. The company has more than five dozen employees who are dreamers. And Brad, thanks for being here. Um, before we Thank jump into the heart of this, let's just talk about the president's tweet. I believe he's incorrect. I believe if you're in DACA, you cannot have committed a, a serious crime. Is that the truth? Uh, you're correct, Becky. I mean, there are a number of uh, re- requirements to be a DACA registrant. You have to have arrived in the United States before you were 16 years old. You've had to live here for five years. You have to be either a high school graduate or a veteran. Uh, you can't have committed any serious crime. So you're correct. All right. You are the only company, Microsoft is the only company that's actually listed as a plaintiff, although we have heard from lots of companies, including Apple and others, that have given their support um, for DACA. What, What made Microsoft stand with the decision that they would actually be a plaintiff in this case? Well, the very day this uh, that DACA was rescinded back in 2017, we said we would stand next to and stand behind our employees. As you mentioned, uh, we have more than five dozen employees who are dreamers. They're doing really important work for our company. Uh, and we said we would go to court if need be. And the opportunity arose together with Princeton University and a Princeton student uh, to bring a case. We brought that case. And it's now, as you pointed out, one of the cases before the Supreme Court today. Three courts before this have ruled on the plaintiff's favor for this. 
However, uh, the president seems to think that the Supreme Court, which has more conservative justice on it, uh, justices on it, will rule in his favor. What do you think the odds are? Well, this is our fifth case as a company before the Supreme Court. Uh, you actually never know until you walk into the courtroom exactly where the justices stand. The truth is you don't completely know when you walk out of the courtroom either. Uh, I will say I feel good about this case. Uh, I think our legal argument is clear. Uh, we're not arguing that, the, that there's no way for the administration to rescind DACA, but we are saying it wasn't done the right way in this instance. It was put together quickly. It was put together on a very narrow legal rationale that we don't think stands scrutiny. Uh, and you know, from our perspective, this is an important opportunity to, you know, frankly, continue to encourage all of us, whether in the executive branch, Congress or the public, uh, to, to keep focused on what we're ultimately going to need, a legislative solution and a permanent pathway to citizenship for these dreamers. Brad, uh, ultimately, I, I, I suspect we're going to need a congressional fix here. Uh, and in order to do that in the dreamers' favor, uh, we're gonna, you're going to have to win the hearts and minds of the American uh, electorate, public. Yesterday, we discussed some polling data that said illegal immigration uh, was the number two concern uh, uh, across the United States electorate. And, and I think that in some corners, people view DACA as a form of amnesty. Uh, and, 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 in, and in that respect, it sets a bad precedent. And so uh, when I say hearts and minds, really appealing to uh, compassion and empathy. These were people who were effectively told, okay, now you're here, uh, certainly not illegally, uh, but perhaps even legally. Do you think that the hearts and minds are being won? Do you think that battle is being won or not? I think the American public wants to see uh, some immigration reform. They want to see border security, uh, but they also want to see the kind of steps that we're talking about for DACA. Um, this is not, you know, uh, an everyday immigrant. These people came as children. Uh, you know, let me describe one of our employees. He arrived in the United States when he was four months old. Grew up in poverty, got a computer science degree from Cal Poly, is now doing important work on our Azure technology that is supporting the Pentagon and the United States military. Um, it would not only be cruel to deport someone to a country they haven't lived in since they were four months old, it's bad for America. It's bad for innovation. It's bad for the economy. Uh, these are good people, 661,000 DACA registrants, uh, well-educated, serving in the United States military, serving this country every day. Brad, even if you win, though, isn't it just leaving the, up to the administration to find a different way of, of rolling back DACA? Well, the truth is, as, as you all have noted, there will come a day when we need Congress to come to terms with this issue, when we need a bipartisan solution on the DACA issues. Uh, now, this case is still, I think, of great importance. Uh, if the DACA rescission is upheld by the court, uh, that means that all these people would be thrown into limbo next summer and we would be trying to go to Congress in the middle of a presidential campaign. That is not a recipe for you know, reasoned bipartisan action. Uh, I think we need and we hope the Supreme Court will uh, uphold the case that we won below. Uh, you know, we will ultimately have to find our way to Congress. We would love to do so sooner than later. Uh, but we need to be politically realistic. Uh, we've got to see the right time come together to protect these people. Brad, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Coming up, 
to infinity and beyond in space investment. One of the top venture capital investors in outer space on the new space race for dollars. So there's a ton of activity over the last 10 years. There's been $25 billion invested into 500 space companies. Squawk Pod will be right back. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. This is Squawk Pod. Here's Joe Kernan. Sorry, push on Joe. Up on him. Cue music. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Joe Kernan along with Becky Quick. Andrew's off today. Our special guest, Tom Farley, chairman and CEO of Farpoint, a former NYSE president uh, and a CNBC contributor. Liftoff. Space, the final frontier for our podcast today. But for investing, it's just the beginning. Private investment in outer space companies is at an all-time high at over $5 billion in 2019. And it's picking up steam. $2.1 billion of that was in the third quarter alone, in technologies like satellites, space landers, in-space manufacturing, and more. By 2025, the space economy is predicted to be between $5 and $10 trillion. Yes, with a T. And the headline making moves into new space companies by high profile business leaders like Virgin Group's Sir Richard Branson, Amazon's Jeff Bezos, and Tesla's Elon Musk make it an industry ripe for further investment. Let's welcome Chad Anderson, CEO of VC firm Space Angels, whose portfolio includes uh, Elon Musk's SpaceX. And, and Chad, I, the, the point that I guess you need to get across is that this is not a 2030 uh, type endeavor. That, that you're doing right now, but you need to convince me that there are near-term yeah. profit potentials for, for some of these companies that, that you're investing in. And, and once you do that, give us the nuts and bolts about what some of these companies actually do. It's fascinating, but it seems like it's still uh, a yeah. ways off in the future. So there's a ton of activity over the last 10 years. There's been $25 billion invested into 500 space companies, um, unique space companies over the last 10 years. And before that, there wasn't a whole lot of anything going on, entrepreneurially speaking. So it's all very new um, that we've seen the barriers to entry come crashing down with SpaceX. They really lowered the cost and brought transparency to the market for the very first time um, by publishing their pricing. And so um, this is what's enabled all of these new startups and all of these new companies to come in. And but it's not a VC spaceship because you're the biggest, one of the biggest VC companies and you do $30 million and yeah. we're talking about a $100 billion endeavor at, at it's expected to be. So $30, billion, or 30 million out of $100 billion, where you're not, it's not a VC uh, really type 
space yet. Is I, it? I would argue that it absolutely well, is. Why don't you I, more than $30 million? We're, because we're 10 years into this. And so um, uh, SpaceX brought down the barriers to entry for the first time. There was maybe a dozen privately funded space companies in the entire world before 2009. SpaceX came along and they really removed the barriers to entry. And then we've seen um, for the, the, the next few years uh, since then, we've seen new companies building on the back of that access to space. So we have invested in more um, space companies than anyone else on the planet, and I can tell you that there is money to be made here, especially in the early stages. So, but it, let's say it's a hundred-story building. I would say we're on the second floor, aren't we? Yeah, I mean that's what, that's, that's that the point are, that I'm trying to make. Yeah, it's, it's very it's very it's very but, new. Yeah, um, we're definitely not on the first floor. Um, I mean, you're you're designing been, like living quarters on the moon and th- things, like, <laughs> right? Think yeah. So so uh, space today is a very large market. Um, we make a lot of money from space data. Um, if you think about GPS, is a really great place to right. start. So. Um, uh, GPS was initially funded by the military and there was a lot of infrastructure and investment. Um, and then there was companies like Magellan and Trimble and others who made use of that signal, propagated that signal out to the tech community. And then we've seen what the tech community has done with that. And most of the venture returns that we've seen um, are, are driven by companies based on the GPS signal. Yeah. The same thing's happening right now with geospatial intelligence and, com- and satellites that are going around the planet uh, taking images and gathering other... agriculture for what kind of use? All kinds of things. So agriculture is, and this is all very new, but what we're seeing, the demand is coming from agriculture, uh, insurance, construction. Sure. You can kind of think anything that's a big asset that you want to monitor at a global scale, shipping I, channels. I've, I've paid close attention to the Virgin Galactic transaction because mm-hmm. in my day job, I run a special purpose acquisition company, much like Chamath's that merged okay. with Virgin okay. Galactic. The retail investor was very strongly supportive of that transaction. Institutions were more skeptical, uncertain about how many people will, will want to pay a lot of money to go to space and take what may be some safety risks, so on and so forth. Are you bullish on space tourism as a business? So I think um, that this is a very exciting thing to happen, and it's great to see that one of these new companies is going out and making, you know, taking the bold, brave stance and going public. Um, I think running a human spaceflight program on a quarterly schedule is going to be challenging, and we're going to have to see how this plays out. But um, for us, we're not invested really in the suborbital space, although I'm personally excited about it. Um, we are more interested as a venture capital fund looking to make money. We're more interested um, really in the data that comes from space. Um, geospatial you, intelligence is would, a key piece of it. Would you like to go up in space with Virgin Galactic, you personally? I certainly would. I mean, so I've already done the training, um, and uh, so I'm not a ticket holder now, but um, I do think that both uh, their offering and Blue Origin's uh, new Shepard vehicle are both very compelling. It would be a lot of fun. You? Uh, no. I, I don't. Just, just because of fear, you know, that... Uh, yeah, that's, yeah a big, that's a big fact. I thought of that. that sounds neat. Yeah. What, yeah. what else part, would it be? That you got yeah. something else you're doing? Oh, no, I've got to... Uh, <laughs> yeah, fear. Fear. Abject, overwhelming, mind-numbing... That's the show for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. It's not a high bar for any of the people anymore. Yeah, you're probably on the list. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, subscribe to Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 